random stabbing at a superstore. Come on, bring that paper towel, let's go. The hunt for a suspect who was caught on camera. Desperate for drug treatment. You do anything you need for your kids, right? You have to. A father fighting to get help for his daughter. And high water watch. Uncertainty around the amount of rainfall and where the heaviest rainfall is going to hit. The conditions that have parts of the province preparing for floods. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A string of three violent and apparently random attacks in the past two days highlights what many people feel is deteriorating public safety across Metro Vancouver. The victims in two of the attacks are now recovering in hospital, while the third, an RCMP officer, was not seriously hurt. Aaron MacArthur has the details. Come on, bring that paper towel, let's go. Another violent assault, this time in Surrey. A woman stabbed shopping at Superstore. RCMP looking for a suspect who was seen running from the grocery store. The investigation is still in the very early stages, but initial indications are parties were not known to each other and there did not appear to be any confrontation prior to the incident. In the last two days, police across Metro Vancouver have responded to three seemingly random assaults. The most visible in Vancouver Wednesday morning, a man armed with a knife was arrested after stabbing one man and punching another. Charges have now been approved against a 61-year-old. He's had very little interaction with police. I don't believe he has a criminal record. We don't know if drugs were a factor. We don't know if mental health was a factor. In Burnaby, a 15-year-old boy is alleged to have physically assaulted a police officer with a knife and was arrested after an hour-long standoff. And this could have ended very tragically for our officer, but also maybe even more so for the, for the youth. Uh, our, our officer used a lot of uh, restraint in, in, this, uh, in this attempt to keep everyone safe. While it's too early to say definitively, at the root of all three of these incidents, quite likely mental health. Police tasked with dealing with these volatile situations. Critics say government needs to step up with more mental health support around BC and more support for police officers. At a minimum, the province ought to be making it clear we're supporting the police, we'll support them with resources. Recent numbers from the Vancouver Police Department say there are on average four stranger attacks every day in the city. A phenomenon that increasingly seems to be a problem across the region. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Charges have been laid in a hit and run that killed a motorcyclist last year. The motorcyclist was killed in June 2021 at Canada Way and Imperial Street in Burnaby. Police say he was rear-ended by a driver who fled the scene. Police have now arrested 35-year-old Marcel Janai, who is now facing a charge of failing to stop at the scene of an accident. An ammonia leak forced the evacuation of Vancouver's Killarney Community Centre and the neighbouring high school. Thirteen people needed medical treatment after suffering what are being called minor symptoms. The leak was detected at 2.15 this afternoon and triggered an immediate evacuation of the community centre and Killarney Secondary School. The fire department says the leak was contained by the time crews arrived and a hazmat team is now assessing the situation. Technical Safety BC will be conducting a full investigation. Vancouver police are asking for some help to identify a witness in a missing person case. Police would like to speak with this man 
who they say is not a suspect but a possible witness. He was seen with 22-year-old Tatiana Harrison on March 23rd. She was reported missing at the end of March after failing to contact her family as she normally does. If you can identify this man or have any information on the whereabouts of Tatiana Harrison, call Vancouver Police or Crime Stoppers. A growing number of regions in B.C. are keeping a nervous eye on rising water levels, hoping they won't be followed by flooding. Paul Johnson has the latest on current flood watches and evacuation alerts. If you've flown over British Columbia on a clear day recently, you don't have to be told by forecasters that our mountain snowpack is substantially bigger than normal for this time of year. And at some point, much of that moisture will be coming down snow melt that's been ramping up over the, the week with some warmer temperatures. Gotta make them kind of like a pyramid on there, right? Snowpack conditions combined with a forecast calling for rain have them filling sandbags in Terrace, where the Skeena River is under a high stream flow advisory. Further east, Smithers has issued an evacuation alert for low-lying areas as the Bulkley River is under a flood watch. And across the province, the list of high-flow advisories sounds like a geography lesson on our principal rivers. Similkameen, Skeena, Liard, Nicola, all places to be cautious about in the coming days. There's definitely, you know, still uncertainty around the amount of rainfall and where the heaviest rainfall is going to hit. While the authorities are urging vigilance, it's worth noting that their models right now are pointing at 10 to 20-year flow levels, not a 100-year event like what happened last fall in the Fraser Valley. So go ahead with your camping trip, but with one eye on the river and another on the sky. Paul Johnson, Global News. All right, let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon for a closer look at the regions at risk and the timeline of these storms set to hit the province. Christy. Sophie, after several days of heat, we are going to see the temperatures drop, but now what's on deck is the rainfall, and we've got a series of systems that are going to move onshore. The first one tomorrow. Here's a look. So this one is going to have quite an impact because we are going to see very spotty conditions. Rain will be heavy at times, embedded in that thunderstorms, and that creates that intensity where some areas could see up to 50 millimeters of rain. Now, we may see a lull in the action Saturday, but then another system is set to move in on Sunday, and we could see a couple more next week. We'll refine that forecast as we get closer. Now, there's always a delay in the impact on the rivers. We'll likely see those rivers begin to increase late Friday into our Saturday. But according to the models, it may not be until late Sunday into Monday that we could see some of those peaks. All right. Thanks, Christy. Cracks continue to appear in B.C.'s healthcare system. An increasing number of family doctors are closing their doors and some moving to practices backed by large corporations. TELUS Health is one example, charging fees to access a wide array of its medical services. Now, as Kamal Karamali reports, the province is reviewing whether that contravenes any health laws. A growing problem plaguing BC's healthcare system. Do you know why your doctor's leaving? I have no idea. It's just frustrating, and you just there's no continuity with medical care. Patients having trouble finding a family physician because general practitioners are pivoting to the corporate health sector. The physicians are bailing out to go to private care systems and leaving the rest of us in the lurch. 
Mark Winston's family uh, Mark doctor Winston. left to go to TELUS Health, a private fee-based medical provider. He offered to keep Winston as a patient, but for a price. If we wanted to continue um, having him as our doctor, we'd have to enroll in their Life Plus system. TELUS Health's Life Plus program claims to provide preventative care, but for the first year, it would cost $4,600 and $3,600 per year after that. Now the Medical Services Commission of BC has stepped in. The province's medical watchdog is reviewing whether TELUS Health is allowing patients to jump the queue in a two-tier medical system, which would be against the law. It's critical, I think, that medically necessary services go without user fees. Health professionals say family doctors are gravitating towards private health providers like TELUS Health because the current system is broken. There are models that work, but they require robust investment um, and we need to empower family physicians who know the realities of how to deliver that on the ground. Family doctors are asking for more resources and less paperwork so they can get back to treating patients. And a salary system that has the province paying them for the different levels of work they do. Doctors like to provide different types of care and how they practice is variable. And we need to be able to go to them with a menu of compensation possibilities. Meanwhile, TELUS Health says it doesn't charge for primary care, but strictly preventative care. TELUS Health has no ability and is fundamentally opposed to fast-tracking publicly funded health services for a fee. Kamal Karamali, Global News. The opposition is accusing health authorities and the government of hiding behind privacy laws to avoid accountability. This after an Abbotsford family came to Global News for help when they couldn't get answers. John Hua reports. A week after sharing Jackson Glubis' tragic story, his mother says there has been some healing, but plenty of heartbreak. I'm so thankful everyone got to see his face and know who he was. He was special. He wasn't a nobody. But Chinsia Rossi says that's how Fraser Health continues to treat her son five months after his death. By refusing to answer Global News' specific questions about his care regardless of their wishes and written consent. We specifically requested Jackson's story, our information, Jackson's information, be released to you. We came to Global because we needed help. Rossi rushed her eight-year-old son to Abbotsford Regional Hospital on December 27th with severe head pain. Instead of a CT scan, he was given Tylenol and Advil and sent home. The next day, he died during neurosurgery at BC Children's of a brain bleed. They owe it to this family and all British Columbians to be fully transparent about what happened. Jackson's story and now fight for accountability heard in the B.C. legislature. They're refusing to speak to the specifics of Jackson's care, claiming that they're unable to do so, even though they've got the written consent of the parents. And all information will be provided to the family. So not to the news media or to others, but to the family. This answer despite BC's Information and Privacy Commissioner saying a patient has the right to ask a health authority to answer media questions about their care. Privacy can't be used as an excuse for a refusal to disclose personal information in, in those kinds of uh, circumstances. And privacy advocates argue that health authorities seem to have no problem allowing patients and medical staff to disclose personal health information to the media when it's a positive news story, like a breakthrough new treatment or an innovative new surgery. And the way they do it is by getting written consent 
from the patient. They're cherry picking and choosing when to create barriers for somebody to access information and when to enable it. Oiwata says even more concerning the position of a provincial minister. When you have a minister in the public saying that consent forms are not to be acted upon, that's a little concerning. Jackson's parents say Fraser Health has reached out since his story was shared, but ask how can they trust anyone who doesn't respect their wishes. I'm extremely disappointed in Fraser Health for them to continue to deny my son his rights. John Hua, Global News. Let's get a check of our weekly COVID-19 numbers for BC now. We have 421 people in hospital. 41 of those patients are in the ICU. 44 more people have died due to complications of the virus, and we have 1,163 new confirmed cases. Well, you only have so much money, and it's not going as far as it used to. That's the reality for most B.C. families. So Consumer Matters has a list of the best apps and websites to get the bargains you're looking for. That's in just over a minute. You know, you do anything you need for your kids, right? You have to. The long wait for a spot in rehab and the extreme lengths one father is willing to go to to keep his daughter safe from toxic drugs. That's still to come on the News Hour. Also tonight, keeping watch over the West Coast, an historic agreement giving these longtime guardians official authority. Right now, though, high inflation, rising interest rates and skyrocketing prices at the gas pump. The cost of living continues to hit Canadians very hard. And that means consumers are cutting back and looking for ways to save money. Let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Anne Drua with some digital tools that might help bring some financial relief. Anne? That's right, Sophie. Most of us are looking at ways to save money right now, whether that's down the grocery aisle or finding the best deal on camping supplies. Turns out there are some useful apps and websites that can help ease the strain on your wallet. Rising food costs are hitting Canadians hard. According to Stats Canada, on a year-over-year basis, consumers are paying more for nearly everything at the grocery store. So to save money on food and other everyday items, we went to John Beeler, editorial director at Get Connected Media, to give us some digital tools to help find a good deal. My grandmother, when I was a child, used to call me Wheeler Dealer Beeler because I'd always try to find a deal, and I, I still do that today. Beeler recommends an app called Flip, a modern digital version of coupon cutting that replaces the physical flyers of the past, and it's free. Pretty much any consumer good that you can find in a flyer will be in Flip. Everything from groceries, so you can see what you know how much gro- uh, broccoli is going to be this week, to how much uh, that air fryer or the new TV is going to be at a big box electronics retailer. It's as easy as making a shopping list. Right here, it's searching. There's 78 deals on milk across all the flyers that Flip has. And these are all the Vancouver ones. So I can go in here and I can just highlight that, clip it. So this four liter jug of milk, go back to my shopping list. And now it's in my shopping list. Beeler also recommends Canadian bargain hunting and coupon website redflagdeals.com. It offers an online hot deals forum from everything from home and garden supplies to apparel. Quite often, a lot of people are really um, aggressive at sharing these deals. You know, they'll snap a photo showing the, the price in the store. Sometimes they'll even uh, post a photo of the receipt proving that they got it for that price. Because sometimes these deals are incredible. And given the high cost of gas and to avoid making an unnecessary trip, StockTrack.ca may be a helpful tool to find out if the deal you found is actually in store. StockTrack just is like a real-time 
uh, inventory system for all the big box retailers across Canada. So for you, how beneficial has this been? Oh, it's it's been amazing because it a it tells me that my either my local store has what I want or that I need to maybe stop somewhere else on my way home from work, for example, and get it at a different store because I know the price is different at different stores. Money-saving strategies to help ease the pressure on households. And John Beeler also says when using these tools, you can save anywhere between 20 and 50% on some items. Also, when searching for a good deal app or apps in general, make sure those apps are not collecting any personal information. Some may share your personal information with advertisers, and you can usually determine that at the bottom of the app page itself, where it displays the developer's privacy policy. Take the time and read the fine print. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, and thank you very much. It's day 125 of the Sea to Sky transit strike, making it BC's longest running transit strike of all time. It sounds like a deal was close with the employer, PW Transit, on Friday, but workers voted down the tentative agreement. Unifor's Western Regional Director Gavin McGarrigal appeared on Global News Morning to say the major sticking points are still wages, pensions, and benefits. Drivers want to see their pay more in line with their counterparts in Metro Vancouver. They were also uh, quite upset about uh, a long letter that uh, the company put out uh, sort of denigrating their work and somehow suggesting that it's better to work in Whistler Transit because you can talk to your managers uh, locally instead of at Coast Mountain, which is ridiculous. So a lot of people were upset about that. And uh, clearly, uh, you know, we almost got there, but uh, there's more work to be done. Both sides have agreed to work with veteran mediator Vince Reddy for up to 10 days with the goal of reaching a settlement. Still ahead, the Surrey Museum gets superpowers. It was the Star Wars pieces that first inspired me. The force that propelled Dilber Men to put together this amazing collection of pop art. And will Doug Ford hold on to power in Ontario? Early results in the election coming right up. Just a little bit of extra traffic northbound at the Granville Street Bridge this evening after clearing an earlier three-car crash at mid-span. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Centre. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Granville Street Bridge. This May, join me for the BC Cancer Foundation's Workout to Conquer Cancer. Sign up on your own or as a team. And let's move every day this May and help change cancer outcomes. Register today at workouttoconquercancer.ca. Breaking news for you now. In Ontario, voters have spoken and as expected, they have re-elected Doug Ford and his Conservatives to another majority government. Doug Ford, number one, Premier! The latest results have the Conservatives elected or leading in at least 56 of the 124 seats up for grabs. Another disastrous showing so far for the Liberals under leader Stephen Del Duca taking as many as seven seats. Andrea Horvath's New Democrats potentially winning in 25 ridings and the Greens under Mike Schreiner elected or leading in one. Let's bring in our Legislative Bureau Chief uh, Keith Baldry. For more on the Ontario election results, Keith uh, Ontario, what happens in Ontario, I'm mm-hmm. sure will have an impact here in BC. What does it mean for us? 
I think a lot of people may be surprised to learn that a Doug Ford victory tonight is perfectly fine, sits just well with the NDP government here in B.C., even though the two parties and governments are ideological opposites. What I've been noticing this pandemic, as the premiers gather in much more frequent uh, gatherings in terms of virtual meetings, unlike pre-pandemic, where they only get together maybe once a year, uh, a relationship has developed between the premiers, the likes of which we haven't seen before, including a strong relationship between B.C. Premier John Horgan and Ontario Premier Doug Ford. Cabinet ministers have told me how impressed they've been with Ford's sort of uh, non-ideological position on a number of issues. He's taken people by surprise by being a little more centrist, a little more common sense and less ideological. And again, there's been a good working relationship between the B.C. government and the Ontario government, particularly when it comes to supply chain issues. And also look for this to play out again uh, in mid-July here in Victoria, when all the premiers are coming to town to meet with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Doug Ford will be an important ally with John Horgan as Horgan will be with Doug Ford as they make the case for, to, for Ottawa to greatly increase health care spending. So a victory today by Doug Ford, again, goes over just well with the NDP government here in B.C. Yeah, definitely uh, united on health care. Thank you very much for Thank that, you. Keith. All right. All right, short break and just ahead, Guardians of the Coast. B.C. zero illegal activities now that we have Watchmen. How First Nations just got new authority to protect our coast. And BC Dad finding out it's not easy to get his daughter the drug treatment she needs. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Patello Bridge with just a little bit of volume southbound on McBride through the Queen's Park stretch on the approach. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside the Real Canadian Superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. A new pilot program is expanding a service that helps keep the north coast of British Columbia safe. The coastal watchmen have been operating for years, but as Kylie Stanton reports, they now have much more power to do their jobs. For thousands of years, First Nations have been the stewards of their traditional territories, guardians of the laws, knowledge and practices that protect the land and waters. And on BC's north coast, it's become a badge of honour. First of all, they're the ambassadors of our nation. They're there to welcome people to our territory. And then they're also there to watch out for any illegal activities. And so they play a really important role for the nation. Uh, I'm from Bella Bella, from Helsic Nation. Since 2005, the Coastal Guardian Watchmen have been building its program that's now at the leading edge of a global movement towards Indigenous-led stewardship. I'm grateful uh, to be here. On Wednesday, the Kitasu Heihe's and Newhawk First Nations, along with BC Parks, signed a Memorandum of Understanding, giving the Indigenous Guardians the same legal authority as park rangers. The first project of its kind in the province. I still can't believe that a day has come where governments are sharing authority, and I think that is really important in recognizing watchmen. For the longest time, we were sitting on the outside looking in, you know, and it, and it, it, really, it really wasn't working, you know, and I'm, I'm really glad that the government is, is stepping up, you know, and the time is now. The role of the watchmen can expand beyond monitoring for compliance and enforcement. First Nations are often first on scene when tragedy strikes, whether it's an oil spill or the fatal sinking of the Queen of the North ferry. Listening badly, taking on water. You know, they're saving lives, you know, so they serve much more of a role. The hope is this agreement will be the first of many, 
carving a new path for First Nations right across the country. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But it's the recognition that paves the way for healing. And that's being called truly historic. That's reconciliation. You know, and I think we're on our way. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Global News would like to make a clarification about some pictures used in a story on May 10th about anti-Asian hate. In showing examples of incidents involving anti-Asian hate, we inadvertently included one that wasn't. We apologize for this error and have taken corrective measures to ensure it doesn't happen again. A team made up of members of the RCMP and U.S. Coast Guard has put two men behind bars and recovered a stolen sailboat. On May 4th, the Shiprider crew encountered the sailboat near the Canada-U.S. Marine border. Now, it had run out of gas, so the two men on board were paddling. They declined an offer to be towed to safety, and a check revealed that neither man was the boat's owner. One of the men was arrested on an outstanding warrant, while the other was allowed to sail off. The boat was later determined to be stolen, and the next day was spotted near Pender Island, intercepted, and the second man was arrested. The sailboat's now been returned to its owner, and both men are facing new charges. Well, the announcement earlier this week about decriminalizing small amounts of hard drugs in B.C. has captured all the headlines. But those dealing firsthand with the ravages of addiction are wondering when talk will turn to treatment. And one father is coming forward with his story of desperately trying to get his daughter into rehab. And as Amadagahi reports, he says the situation to get people off drugs is deplorable. For about a month and a half, I was literally out with her every night, you know, scoring. It was a deal made in desperation. The stuff is everywhere. Greg Loshny knew the best way to help his 23-year-old daughter stay alive during a toxic drug crisis was to be right there with her, testing the drugs they bought for her on the street every night. You know, you do anything you need for your kids, right? You have to. Like, I, I just didn't want her to be a statistic. He did this because accessing a rehabilitation facility was taking too long, until one day the family was given the option. Give up their spot near the back of a very long public waitlist for addiction treatment for the costly alternative of private care. In this case, $5,000 for a private bed at Westminster House. Could have been a blank check. Whatever. You know, what of my car, I would have given it to you know, what are you doing on my house? It's just that unfortunate disconnect between the private and public se- sector. We need to have some sort of stream of funding so that the government can buy the private beds. The province says it currently funds 3,200 adult and youth substance use treatment beds, but it does not have an available estimate for the potentially thousands more who are waiting in line. There are waiting lists on them, and that's what we are working very hard to build up by adding more publicly funded treatment beds across the province. While the wait lists remain long and more than five people a day are dying from toxic street drugs, families are facing the difficult situation of taking on a financial burden. We've heard from moms and dads that are actually taking out second mortgages on their home to provide treatment for their for their family members and that's completely unacceptable you would do anything for your child kathleen radu's son morgan died of a toxic drug overdose in 2020 and over a period of 18 months our family spent over eighty thousand dollars 
um, on private treatment care for him. All of our energy was going to uh, keeping her alive. For now, Greg Loshny says he will continue to work by day and use the rest of his time and energy to help his daughter. The people of BC, the people that are going through this, they need we, we need to have a path on how to access these facilities. He feels provincial funding is inadequate, fearing many families without the ability to pay for treatment won't get in before it's too late. In Madagahi Global News. Coming up, a fantastical display of science fiction. This is a grail statue. It was only 150 worldwide. How a childhood fascination with pop culture led to this incredible collection. And trooping the color for the Queen's unprecedented platinum jubilee and how young Prince Louis reacted. Attention, need the latest info on budgeting, personal finances, taxes, affordability, or any other money issues in this pricey province? Then get informed. Andrua examines Consumer Matters on Global News. All right, a beautiful day, another very warm day, and uh, we're betting, Christy, Mm. that you might have a a glass of rosé or something on the patio with you, but maybe for later. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no I'm chance still working so no <laughs> of course you are. doesn't mean it's not on my mind though i'll tell you that <laughs> um yeah so maybe a glass of rosé on a day like today would be fantastic that's for sure i don't actually have any at home right now but i will, I will maybe look into that later uh we're on flood watch though so this is a serious matter in that we are going to see temperatures drop over the next 24 hours a significant change but now we've got rainfall on deck let me show you the uh, computer model put out by the bc river forecast center looking at the bulkley river so with the rainfall we're going to see tomorrow we are expecting the river levels to rise through the weekend and then particularly sunday into monday we could see a peak. It's really that Friday storm and then Sunday storm that could impact those areas. Here's a look. It's this swirling mess sitting off in in the Pacific, and it's that southerly flow that's kicking up thunderstorms. You can see all the lightning strikes in red there. So this means that we will see intense pockets at times. It includes the south coast. We've got a number of them across Vancouver Island, out through the Fraser Valley right now, and that will continue overnight and through the morning hours for the south coast. The southern interior regions also. So Okanagan Valley, expecting those pockets of heavy rain at times through the morning hours. And then it shifts further north. So areas like Williams Lake and up towards Quinnell, Prince George, and then certainly that north coast region. These types of scenarios with a rainfall bring in the more intense type of rainfall for the interior where we get that strong southerly or southeasterly flow. So be aware of that. We're talking about 20 to 50 millimeters of rain, but that 50 will be in isolated regions. Temperatures a little bit lower tomorrow, and we're going to maintain lower conditions Uh, temperatures over the next little while Uh, but still it's warm enough that we're seeing snow melt and now with the addition of rain uh, that's not good news so friday certainly wet a bit of a lull in the action saturday we do still have a chance of showers especially earlier in the day but it should be a bit drier in the afternoon the next one on deck on sunday so far we could see a bit of a break monday tuesday but then wednesday maybe even into friday that we could see another couple of systems so we're definitely in that scenario with the warmth now and now the rain 
that uh, we'll be watching things very closely. Stay tuned. Tonight's central windows weather window, though, feeling like summer, though. This is Wendy's photo. She's actually from Prince George. She was visiting Sunshine Coast, and she captured captured this great shot of a, a lone rowing uh, man out there, or a woman mm -hmm. could be rowing out there. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Thank you, Christy. An historic day in London today. Hundreds of soldiers and horses, thousands of spectators, and a queen celebrating a remarkable 70 years as monarch. The first of four days of Platinum Jubilee celebrations kicked off in the UK today. But as Global's Redmond Shannon reports, the day did take its toll on Her Majesty. Growing excitement from early morning among everyone who came to be part of history. It's a really, really special occasion. I wanted to be here. I wanted to put my red, white and blue on because she's such a special lady. Locals and visitors alike, including these royal fans from Canada. We just love the Queen. We just wanted to come and see this um, while she's still around. Uh, my mom's British, so it's always been a big part of our family. This unprecedented Platinum Jubilee celebration, beginning with the 262-year-old military tradition of trooping the colour. Marking the official birthday of the Queen. This year, her son and heir to the throne, Prince Charles, inspected the troops on her behalf, flanked by Princess Anne and Prince William. The Queen and her cousin, the Duke of Kent, waiting at Buckingham Palace. Senior and junior royals then joined for the iconic balcony moment. And this grand military tribute capped off with a 70 aircraft fly past right over the balcony of Buckingham Palace. A spectacle for the senses. Colour and noise. Splitting the eardrums of young Prince Louis. Notably absent from the balcony, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, here in London to observe, but not to take part. No role for scandal-plagued Prince Andrew either. The palace saying he has contracted COVID-19, counting him out of any weekend events. And later, news that the Queen herself will also miss Friday's Thanksgiving service at St Paul's Cathedral. A statement saying the 96-year-old experienced some discomfort Thursday and will reluctantly stay home. But the Queen was well enough to get back to Windsor Thursday evening, triggering a chain of lights back to London, illuminating the largest of 3,000 ceremonial beacons across the UK and Commonwealth. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. What a spectacle. The balcony at Buckingham Palace is not living up to its full potential because it looks like a perfect barbecue kind of balcony. Do you think they ever do that? Where's the grill? Exactly. <laughs> Where's the grill? Or yeah. sun tanning. Yeah. That'd Shades be, lounges. That'd be great to see the queen queuing up something. <laughs> a little flipping. Yeah. Making burgers. Why not? Well... It would be a lovely, on a summer's night, it'd yeah. be lovely. Yeah, good gathering. Yeah. What do you have, Squire? Well, uh, Canada's men's national soccer team, of course, is in town, and we talked to uh, one of the veterans of that team, the veteran, Atiba Hutchinson, 39 years old. 95 times she's played for Canada. She's going to play for them at the World Cup in November. We'll talk about that, talk to Vanny Sartini, show you what's happening in Colorado. Ooh, what else do I have? Oh, a uh, longtime quarterback is retired in the NFL. And I don't think he's coming back like Tom Brady did. <laughs> yeah, give it, give it a yeah. month or two. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Thanks, Squire. Also tonight, a new exhibit at the Surrey Museum exploring the fiction that defined Generation X. All right, Squire's here with uh, 
sports. Really interesting detail about this Canada men's soccer team. There's only one guy, the oldest guy on the team. Tell us the story here. Okay, well, I'll let Asa tell you the full story, but yeah, Atiba Hutchinson is the only guy, I think, who was alive the last time Canada's men's team went to the World Cup, among the players who are on Canada's mm-hmm. men's team. Anyway, uh, they are at the Whitecaps practice facility this week, sharing the facility, getting ready for two games at BC Play Stadium, Sunday against Panama, next Thursday against Curacao. It's all preparation for the World Cup in November. All of Canada's best are here, the young stars like Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, and the guy who's been around the program through bad times and good, 39-year-old Atiba Hutchinson. He's a six-time Canada Soccer Player of the Year and currently has the most caps for the men's national team. Atiba Hutchinson has appeared in 95 matches for his country, but this is the first time he'll be wearing the red and white to get ready for a World Cup. We're just pushing each other uh, to bring out the best for ourselves, for the team. Um, and yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be great to have this first game here in, in Vancouver in front of the fans. Hutchinson is the only player on the current national team roster who was alive when Canada's men's team last prepared for a World Cup, though we may not remember it since he was only three when Canada played England at Swangard Stadium in 1986. Despite taking place a week before the World Cup in Mexico, the match didn't lack star power. And in place of the injured Lineker, here is the former Vancouver Whitecap, Peter Beardsley. But unlike 86, when the stars were on the opposing side, now Canada boasts some of the world's best players, such as Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. So despite drawing into a group with Belgium, Croatia and Morocco, the expectations for the upcoming World Cup are still high. In our minds, we have a World Cup coming coming up and you know we want to do very well in that tournament. We want to obviously get out of the group and... Uh, just continue to push from there. Back across, Buchanan! We've got a lot of weapons going forward, um, which is something we, I mean, we had it, but not at the level that we have it now. So we have a different dynamic in our, in our game right now. We're full of confidence. And yeah, it's a good time right now for, for Canada football, and hopefully we'll just continue to get better and better. That's the mission, that's the goal. While Hutchinson has failed to qualify for a World Cup in his previous four attempts, for many of the players in the current men's roster, they're getting into the tournament on their first try. You have players that are obviously younger right now, so you know the experience um, it maybe is not there uh, where you would have hoped. But of course, these younger players are, are playing in great clubs, um, winning championships, so that you know that brings in its own type of experience. Um, so I think we're we're in good hands right now. The country's in good hands and. As I said, I think we're just going to you know, push to get better and better and uh, really put Canada on the map. BC Place will be a busy place this weekend. The Whitecaps are home Saturday against Real Salt Lake. Things have turned around a bit for the Caps. They wanted a big month of May. They got it. Three wins, a draw, and a loss in league play. They also made the semifinals for the Canadian Championship. This despite injuries to key players. Fanny Sartini says one of the reasons things have gotten better for Vancouver of late is because the coaching has gotten better. I hate when coaches say on, on TV the player has to figure it out, it's all up to the players because it's not true. The, only, the thing that I can say is that, uh, that even with problems and everything, uh, we should have been, uh, I would say, faster in identifying the fact that uh, without some players we can't play in a certain way and we've been much more intelligent lately in our choices in uh, adapting 
even our approach to the game according to the game, the player that we have because uh, we have a very good depth of players but of course uh, uh, not every player is the same Game two, Oilers Avalanche. Is it going to be another high-scoring affair with poor net mining? Well, let's see. Oh, Connor McDavid's running over Andrew Cogliano in the uh, first period. It was 0-0 after one. Mike Smith of the Oilers made a few saves, and then things went wrong in the second. Arturi Lekkanen tips in this Nazem Kadri shot. It's 1-0 for Colorado. 15 seconds later, it's 2-0 for Colorado. Josh Manson. Yep, that's in. They'd add another one, 3-0 now in the second period, Avs over Oilers. BC Lions play their final exhibition game tomorrow at BC Place. See, very busy this weekend. Against Saskatchewan, this Lions team's going to look a lot more like the one you will see start the regular season. For example, Nathan Rourke is going to play quarterback for a while tomorrow. Speaking of quarterbacks, veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick has retired after 17 years and nine different teams in the NFL. Starting for nine different teams in an NFL or in the NFL is a record. During his time, he played for the Dolphins, the Bucks, the Jets, the Rams, the Bengals, the Bills, the Titans, the Texans, and Washington, but never made the playoffs. His nickname was Fitz Magic because every once in a while, he'd have an incredible game. But obviously not enough because he never made the playoffs. Okay, uh, Igas Fontek of Poland. Unbeatable this year against uh, Dario Kasekina. Semi-final action at the French Open. Svantec won the uh, first set 6-2. She'd win this in straight sets. She's now won 34 straight. We haven't seen that kind of a streak since 2000 when Venus Williams was doing it. She'll take on Coco Gauff in the women's final. And the Blue Jays, speaking of winning a lot, eight in a row now, they beat the White Sox 8-3 this afternoon. There you go. That's a better kind of streak for them to be on. Thanks, Squire. Up next, a, gener a Generation Xer shares his love of fiction, putting his incredible collection on display at the Surrey Museum. Stay with us. All right, just before we take a trip down memory lane, Sarah McDonald is standing by with a preview of what's coming up tonight on Global News at 11. Sarah? Well, so we're chasing reports of yet another machete attack in Metro Vancouver. Plus, new footage of that nasty crash on the Granville Bridge at the height of rush hour. Snarling traffic and transit in Vancouver's core. We're working on getting details on this and following reports of yet another pileup in the Fraser Valley. We'll have those stories and more coming up at 11. Guys. Sounds good. Thanks, Sarah. An exhibit at the Museum of Surrey is bound to be a trip down memory lane for any Gen Xer. Dilber Mann is sharing his collection of characters from the comics and movies he loved in the 1980s. Jay Durant goes on that trip down memory lane on This Is BC. The Grail statue, there's only 150 worldwide. This is a display years in the making. Owns it, doesn't want to sell it. Dilber Mann's hobby is collecting statues of famous characters from the 1980s. Recently, they were packaged up, put on a truck, and moved to the Museum of Surrey. Except Yoda, who rode shotgun in his car. I didn't have the box anymore, and uh, I didn't want to take it apart. There's Batman and X-Men, Optimus Prime and Predator, and a couple of well-known Jedis. While it's a showcase of 80s pop culture, there's also a narrative on the wall describing man's experiences during those years growing up in the diverse city of Surrey and how these franchises brought people together. We connected uh, through common interests and a lot of that common interest came down to these pop culture icons. Here in Vancouver at the Stanley, something Man remembers when the Empire Strikes Back hit theaters around BC and how people from many different backgrounds came together to watch George Lucas's latest work at the Guilford Cinemas. 
movie theater, they were all there collectively, all there united towards uh, one thing that they all loved, which was at that time Star Wars. And how SkyTrain expansion gave Gen Xers the chance to explore Metro Vancouver, opening up new experiences in different communities. I had never been to downtown or Chinatown or uh, Metro Town area ever, so it just um, it was very exciting you know, to open all these different doors. That exploring continues to this day. What started out as a love for characters like Spider-Man and Batman inspired man to move into a creative career. 16 years in the video game industry has taken him all over the world. So this is the battle diorama that represents uh, X-Men number one. He hopes the Inspiration X exhibit is a hit with visitors. That's Batman. This is only half of his collection. He's already looking at expanding, but that's not an option here right now. No, no space. <laughs> Uh, I can't take over the museum, so we'll have to figure that out. Jay Durant, Global News. Wow. We, got, we got to get that guy a bigger room. Yeah, no kidding. Well done, Dilber. All right, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique that you want to share with the rest of BC, just email your ideas to Jay. His address is thisisbc at globalnews.ca. If only we'd all kept those little figurines and things we Seems like... Got. Back yeah, in the 80s. That would have been a good thing to do. Yep. No such luck. <laughs> Mine are buried in a garden mm. somewhere. Were those the days of Sailor Moon? Yeah. No, I think I feel like Sailor Moon came after, but... Now oh, she was in the 90s. I'm, I'm ahead of my decades. I'm sorry. A resident Gen no. Xer yeah. says that's <laughs> We're too old for that. <laughs> He's right. just as not a Gen Xer. He's a millennial. Is he? I don't know. Yeah, We're old, that's what I know. know. All right, uh, Christy, <laughs> final word on weather. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, we're all about collecting Pokemons around here, and we hope to keep those around because you never know. Uh, rainfall tonight and tomorrow, intense at times, and that's going to shift further north later in the day tomorrow. So, wet one tomorrow. Sounds Cabbage like Patch dolls. Oh, yes, I love those. those was that the 80s? Yes. Okay. And I my little one. pony. One for me. Good night, everyone. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.